Welcome back to TechM Report. I had the privilege of discussing communication marketing matters with founder of Deem Communications, Rafi Niziblian. We talked about several topics relevant to company builders, such as the reason for product's existence, the story, branding, and everything related to company communication in general. There's plenty of room to improve and messages to take home, but it seems the domain has already made great strides, not the least because of the domestic startup scene. So I was happy to hear that. Dear Rafi, welcome to the show. I'm very excited about this. We're going to be talking about a lot about marketing, uh, branding, communication in general. Uh, and I think you've, uh, you, can, you have played a very big part in this, in this domain for many years now, as I understand it. But I'd be very happy to learn more about your, uh, you know, the story behind Deem Communication. And hopefully, well, I'm sure it's going to be helpful to many others looking in this, in this direction, whether they are startup entrepreneurs in general. So, but let's start. Uh, please tell us a bit about your background, where you're coming from, and the general story behind Deem Communication, please. Okay, so I'll, I'll thank you for having me. Thank you for hosting me. This, uh, this is a great platform for people like me to connect also with the audience who, as far as I understand, are the, the tech, tech ecosystem members, um, be they, um, you know, engineers or startupers and, and marketers. Um, I'm happy to be part of this conversation. I have been part of this conversation since the first days that we were talking about startup when we even had the startup cup um, contests happening way back like 12 years ago, I think. Um, so as far back as that date, I was involved in in the whole ecosystem. And I was, I would say, initiator, um, being a coach, being a member, even supporting the 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 organization of that event so um thank you for hosting me and let me give you a little bit of a background about me and deem communications um i'm considered to be like a creative guy someone who thinks creatively now what does that mean that just means that um when i have an idea i try to voice it i try to sort of formulate it package it so that it it is also a functional uh component of any kind of mechanism or process because otherwise we all have ideas right everybody has an idea but if it's not going to be contextualized into some form of realization it just becomes a good idea uh, uh, on paper perhaps or in my in our minds um so as a creative person i i you know grew up in an environment where i was constantly organizing events volunteering for this or that kind of uh, institution where marketing, public relations uh, skills were required. And I'm talking about university. I'm talking about the Armenian community. I'm originally from Montreal. That's where I grew up and I studied. I graduated from Concordia University's communication studies program. And then I did a, a master's diploma in community economic development. So it was doing economic development but alternatively, in a different way, uh, trying to figure out new ways to engage uh, members of society so that the impact of the wealth was even more evenly distributed. So basically, that, that was the, that's my background. Uh, eventually, I made a trip to Armenia, fell in love with the country, with the people, and I, I realized this is where I should be. My wife and I moved here in 2003. 
um, I was working for the Land and Culture Organization, which took me all over Armenia, all over Artsakh, um, you know, renovating, restoring buildings, monuments, churches, hospitals. So I got to meet a lot of the, the everyday people, the, the uh, also the leaders of the communities, the, you know, principals, teachers, uh, regional authorities, and so on. So I really understood like the, um, the different levels of, uh, of how society is organized. And I was eventually handpicked by Ralph Yirikian to um, jumpstart the communications component and the whole uh, commercial part of Vivacell. At the time, there was like seven or eight of us. And eventually, I had to hire about 180 people, put them in a service center, tell them, you know, what it is, what it means to have a call center. At, the, at that time, it was, everything was new, you know, having um, people in uniforms, people having, having people smile when they had to smile and not smile when they shouldn't smile you know when you have comfort customers complaining about uh, a product you're not you're not smiling at that time it just sort of um, um you know makes them angrier anyhow um so that was a really interesting venture and that was in the in 2004 2005 it was really exciting um you know i got the whole sales team put together uh, sales pitches, the the products, you know, naming the products, really, really exciting. But then I realized that, you know, uh, uh, telecommunication in itself was not enough for me. I like culture. I like the Horeca industry and so on. So eventually I created, I, I, I left the company, I created uh, Deem Communications. And from there on, you know, for like 16 and a half years, we've been servicing all kinds of small to very large corporations, international organizations, commercial, and uh, all kinds of IT or even now tech companies, from branding to events management to team building, all kinds of things. So um, in a nutshell, I don't know if that was a nutshell, but in a nutshell, that's the story of Deem Communications. And today we are proud of having about 20 uh, permanent staff with uh, approximately the same number as consultants and uh, on-contract uh, employees in Armenia and different parts of the world. Yeah. So no, that's great. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the Vivasil story. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you are the single-handedly the person that took Vivasil to sixty or something percent market share. No, I know. Yeah. There's a whole tech team behind it. There's a whole. Uh, uh, operations team behind it, yeah, and and Mr. Yirikian was uh, instrumental. I mean, his leadership. We we all learned a lot from him. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, that was a uh, basically a joke yeah. that fell flat from my side. But anyhow, I, yes, Vivasel has done a very good job, very good job at uh, putting itself in the front of uh, you know uh, the telecom industry here. And uh, you know, so another question that's kind of a bit off schedule. When I'm gonna try it anyhow uh, so okay. what's your uh, what's your kind of perspective on uh, the tech ecosystem the entrepreneurship ecosystem from I don't want to say from outside but basically you work with a lot of established companies you have a lot of experience you know large uh, large large-scale firms like that what's kind of your perspective on things that are going on in this kind of very dynamic tech sector or venture finance sector or basically the innovation ecosystem in general what's your kind of 
uh, like the, what was your kind of approach or kind of perspective there? I'm assuming you mean right now, where it yeah. is now, yeah, right? Because right. as I mentioned earlier, where it was 12 or 15 years ago is very different than when we are right now. Yeah, and, and maybe maybe from a communication point of view, right? Yeah, I, I, I will, that's what I was going to say. Um, because I'm not an engineer, but I do see, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my own company. Um, I've, I've initiated several NGOs and, and co-founded uh, associations that, that, um, for film and advertising sectors. Really, I was, I've been involved in that different kinds of aspects of um, starting things, right? So I understand the pains of any startup uh, from an idea to building a team to actually fundraising and, and, and putting the product, yeah, creating a product prototype, putting the product into bringing life to it, and then eventually selling it, because there's a whole level of um, um, of making this the startup or the company work. In Armenia, for a long time, we've had um, lots of people with lots of good ideas, and a lot of the times they didn't know how to go about it. So there was several, you know, uh, the EDMC, the I don't know, EU for business, the, the startup incubators and all kinds of um, institutions that uh, did a lot of capacity building. And I think where they failed mostly is in, in terms of communications, in terms of helping people to tell their story. Because, you know, it's not enough to have a good um, administrative platform, a good business plan, and a great uh, product. If you're not able to tell your story, if you're not able to sell your product, it could be just a really good product that's sitting somewhere and nobody knows about it. Then the company fails. And I think communication starts from the beginning, from when you're actually putting the team together. You want to do a great pitch to attract the best talent. You want to do a, an excellent fundraising presentation to actually convince and win the trust of the fundraiser, uh, of the investors. So it goes from the beginning to be able to speak well, to have a really nice deck, to have a brand, to be confident, to use the right words, um, wear the right clothes, be in the right places. So all of this is part of the communications. And there's a huge lack. And I can see lots of engineers coming up with really great ideas. And then once they start talking about it, they're like, they lose me. They lose me, uh, you know, from like the third or fourth sentence because they become too technical or they become too financial and they're not telling me the story. What, what problem does it solve? Why, why did you create this? Why would I need this? You know, I being the, uh, the consumer. So, yeah, yeah, this is the problem that I still see today. And I think it exists also with the very... Um, you know, very, uh, quote, unquote, successful companies that have been able to secure, you know, several millions of dollars from, you know, foreign investors. Um, I think there is a huge gap in their communications abilities. I see individuals speaking on behalf of the companies rather than allowing the company to tell the story, allowing the company to be a brand. We don't know 
you know, what the, the board members of Nike are saying. We don't care. Nike as a brand speaks and it tells us to just do it, you know, and we all know that Nike is saying just do it. But in a lot of the cases, uh, without naming names, Armenian uh, companies, Armenian uh, tech companies, we don't know what they're saying, but we do know what their founders are saying. Their founders are talking quite loudly and they're, you know, making posts on their LinkedIn's and, you know, we see like hundreds, if not thousands of engagements on their personal posts, but nothing really is happening on their uh, corporate side of the, the yeah. community. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, a lot of times the, 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 the advice, if I put it in quotation marks, is just that, right? Uh, building a product is uh, sometimes even much less important than the distribution part of it. Uh, and the distribution part of it is intrinsically related to all of this communication you just mentioned. So yeah, I, I think many people would, re would recognize and uh, would recognize that point. And uh, just just to move on here and talk a bit about you know entrepreneurship in general in your experience. So we usually talk about on this on this podcast and generally in ecosystem about you know highly scalable, globally competitive startups and it's kind of how difficult is it to build such right uh, is it easier to though to build something like deem communication even if it's less competition around so do talk do talk about a bit of <clears throat> a bit about your perspective on on the the road you've covered thus far um i'll, I'll talk about deem and then i can talk about uh, you know starting up something similar now because when deem uh was founded deem communications was founded in 2006 so very, very, uh, very, very virgin territory. Yeah, it was raw. Everything was out there for grabs. And there wasn't really um, the concept of what is an age communications agency. And as we were, you know, as I created it, it was creating it itself was not that difficult. Uh, building it, maintaining it, growing it was where all the challenges came. So we went, you know, we had like ups and downs and we've had successful years and more successful years and some years that were less successful, which is normal for any company. And we learn from all the mistakes that we do. And today we are, you know, we have our own premise. Uh, we have our own, we've rebranded and we have a really strong position in strategic communications. Whereas before at some time we were more, events management, we were more branding and, and design oriented. But today we're, you know, we're quite, um, we're, we're quite sturdy in creating communications for um, companies, corporations, but also for international organizations and their campaigns, even for government entities and ministries uh, over the years, you know, when we built the whole Francophonie uh, a brand and support in making that uh, an important part of who Armenia, Armenian, today's Armenian identity is. Um, for instance, that's one example that I can give, but there are many, many different uh, branding projects that we've done. Let's say the Garabakh tourism, um, a brand, yeah, destination branding. And then eventually we did the Gyumri branding, the Gyumri city branding. And that for us was a huge learning lesson. So we're we're quite savvy in terms of uh, destination branding. We've learned from a lot of our international uh, 
uh, experts who we've um, cultivated around us, um, from Ketchum Communications to, um, you know, I'm thinking about Hjortur, who is who's Danish, who was here with us, and he was helping us with the Gimri brand. So we've learned along the way a lot of the things that uh, are the building blocks of how to build a, a strategic communications. And today we support, um, again, the EU, we support um, several uh, entities like uh, UN uh, projects, like UNICEF or UNDP projects, um, where they need campaigning to change behavior, to uh, influence um, the target audience into making the right decisions from environmental uh, hazards, like the Sevan campaign that we did to, um, uh, you know, uh, the clean Yerevan and the clean Armenia and and so on, and like the, you know, domestic violence law and so many things that are part of who we are and who we can be. So those are very important things for us. And the difficulties of today is that there are, uh, there's a whole new generation, um, let's say graduating from Brusov and from uh, the Slavonakan and, and uh, the AUA universities that without real uh, experience, without um, having made mistakes, um, found, found their own uh, entities and start uh, offering services. And the biggest mistakes of the, the clients or the companies compare the startup uh, agency uh, that has very small experience with an established 15, 16 year old company uh, such as ours and many others that, that have grown after that. Um, and, and they compare us as if they're comparing apples to apples where in reality, you know, it's like a watermelon compared to a tangerine. Yeah, yeah, I understand. And given, the, <clears throat> given a lot of experience that you've gathered over the years, how, how easy or how realistic is it to kind of start to expanding also abroad? I mean, with all the, you know, with all the, you know, hits that you've had here, is it, is it realistic or is it, in that case, I'm assuming you have to have a local team local understanding of the local culture and the customer preferences and so on. So yeah, do talk about, you know, is, is that possible to do? Um, we've, we, in the past, we've had representatives in New York and uh, we also had a representative in UK. Um, we did get a few clients that way, but you're very dependent on that person. Um, either you have to franchise or you have to build out and open a new office in a specific place, um, or members of your teams from here need to, you know, who you've cultivated and built and invested in, um, you send them as your your um, flag, you know, to be the flagship of that country or that region. In essence, what we uh, opted to do is to become part of different networks. So we became members of the Media Consulta uh, Network, which is a European network based in Berlin. And through there, we were able to get some clients. We were able to secure some artists for local uh, in events that we were doing here. So our network was built through them and also through the relationship with the Ketchum PR, um, where Ketchum Maslov in, in Moscow was the headquarter. And unfortunately, after this uh, 
this war, the Ketchum representation has has moved away from from Russia. We are still in touch with all these networks in Ukraine, in in Kazakhstan, in Moldova, and we also have built other networks that are direct with Georgian companies. Um, um, I want to say with a Canadian company, also a UK company, where we actually exchange and in, uh, interact um, on various topics, learning. Uh, and even today, right now, we are um, we're, we're concentrating on how to position ourselves, how to continue positioning ourselves as thought leaders. And um, very recently, in the couple of days, we'll be hosting some of these um, these thinkers, these uh, these practitioners, uh, these experts in communications who have uh, who come from New York, who come from uh, um, the Emirates and uh, Europe, and they are all going to be discussing with us, with our guests. And by the way, they're all going to be, or I don't want to say all, but majority are going to be the tech sector uh, decision makers. And hopefully there we talk about, you know, issues that are of major concern today to us uh, concerning uh, topics like the great resignation. What does that mean? People that don't want to work anymore. They don't want to work in the formats that we are used to anymore. They're looking for new benefits. They're looking for new um, uh, formulas. So how how can we as uh, business owners, employers, board members, how can we create this? And um, with this new demand, how can we supply them what they're looking for? That's one of the topics that we'll be discussing. The other topic we discuss is, you know, communicating in times of crisis from the pandemic to today's conflicts that are going on around us, to even the financial crisis that is foreseen. How are we going to communicate with our stakeholders, with our employees, with our customers? You know, how do we keep them uh, on board? And these are going to be really important things for any company, uh, especially tech companies, um, to consider because the competition is very strong and you know, people uh, are are more aware. They are reading. They are providing feedback. So social media has made a huge uh, yeah. impact on that, and we'll talk about social media a little bit more, perhaps a little later. And the third important topic is the whole Web three and the metaverse and all these NFTs. Is it real? Is it going to happen? How can companies benefit from that? You know, in my opinion, it is real. It's going to happen. Uh, even if today it's it's slowed down, I remember the whole dot com um, bubble that was burst. But then dot com is still very much alive in our in our everyday lives, and you know e commerce is there, and our entertain everything is is on digital. So although there was a bubble burst, it just came back gradually, and the same probably happened with the blockchain. Um, yeah. There was a very quick, very big hype. It slowed down, but it's coming back. So how can the community leaders in the ecosystem respond to that? Where are, how are they going to be present in that platform? So this is the event, Generation N, we're calling it. And Generation N is a term that has been coined by uh, um, um, a digital anthropologist, anthropologist, sorry, 
um, who has uh, Brian Solis, his name, uh, who has coined the term and explains that this intergenerational um, segment, yeah, so it's different people from different ages. My, I mean, it could be me, but it can also be my son and everything in between who are digital first. Their whole uh, connection to information, entertainment, shopping is all happening through digital e-learning you know everything is happening through digital so this is the segment that we're going to be tackling and talking about and all of these ideas these are the thoughts that we need to be discussing with each other as a community and and trying to find um solutions and i think that's that's what we are attempting to do with our generation n uh event and it's actually the the slogan for that is Decoding communications. So yeah, very decide. interesting. And when is when is the uh, conference? November fifth is the event, and we're we're holding it in the prestigious um, museum of the Ararat Yerevan Brandy Company. So it's going to be really um, exclusive. Um, we're we're only doing it by invitations only, and um, the response has been quite uh, quite welcoming. And um, I can't wait to see, you know, the outcome. Very nice, very nice. Well, I, I, I wish you wish you a good good event that day. And you know, okay. uh, uh, given that we talk, we're going to be talking about a lot about uh, branding as well. And you know, the, the key question is: so what's uh, what sets uh, deem uh, deem communication apart? What what are the key competitive kind of uh, how, uh, differences, so to say? Yeah, um, that's a very good question. And I think um, we've we've coined uh, the 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 reasoning why we exist yeah why do we exist and why why do why are we successful in what we do and we realize that we are um we are the optimistic agency we're the agency that brings um positiveness we bring color we bring hope and a lot of what we do is uh, is um based on the hope based communications that we have um we have learned from Thomas Coombs. He used to be uh, he used to work for um, Amnesty International, and eventually he created this school of thought, which is called hope-based communications. Even he is called the hope guy, you know. And if he's the hope guy, I'm the optimist guy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, as an optimist, as a, you know, forever optimist is is what a lot of people call me. Um, I think hope dies at the end. So if there is no hope, then there's no reason for you to do your business. There's no reason for me to buy your product because there's no hope, right? There's no future. There's no next step. So because hope dies uh, at the end and, and our uh, ambition is to generate hope in all kinds of messaging, that sets us apart from a lot of companies that use fear factor for instance yeah to sell that use a sensationalism or they can use um sex drugs and rock and roll let's say yeah to sell i don't know like their alcohol or their bedding or whatever it is that they're selling so we sell um you know first we choose our customers we don't want to work with just anybody we are very much uh in favor of uh, value-based uh, corporations, and I think that's something that is that has come with our maturity. We understand that 
you know, not everything is about money. Um, we think human factor is above and beyond the most important element uh, in any interaction that we do. So employees, partners, clients, suppliers, we all always trying to consider to work with the best people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't well, know. I think I you're in yeah, you're in perfect alignment with with, uh, with our ecosystem, but then because uh, a lot of our ecosystem is are built uh, is built on dreams and hopes and uh, you know a transform towards a better future. So uh, <laughs> I do recognize that. And yeah, um, if you can't if you can't dream it, you can't make it, right? So first, you need to dream it. You need to hope that you know it's going to happen, and you you need to work hard. You really need to work hard. Yeah. I mean, sitting at home and just writing a program or you know, making a video or being an influencer somewhere, there's a limit to your success. If you don't work hard, if you're not failing at some points and fixing your failures, then uh, the, the chances of you succeeding is quite slim. Yeah. And be before the show, we kind of talked a bit about, you know, uh, thinking in terms of marketing or thinking in terms of communication. Do, do describe how how a founder should think think in terms because um, we're also kind of in the middle of a project that we're doing and yeah. the initial the initial thinking was well let's do some couple of videos and you know uh, do some cool things here and there right uh, and then the more we thought about it uh, the more it's kind of started thinking towards you know this needs to be a proper work done towards kind of uh, so do talk and I'm I'm guessing this is what uh, kind of the, the communication and the marketing and PR and all of those things kind of need to hang together. So, but but do talk about what you had in mind uh, uh, of the differences here, right? Well, I mean, you know, at, uh, decades ago, there was a lot of compartmentalization. Did I say that right? Compen compartmentalization? Did my yeah, 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 I think people. <laughs> Everything was in a compartment, right? So you had. The marketing people, then you had the advertising people, then you had the PR people, and then you had the designers, and then you had the, um, you know, the copywriters. Today, it's it's like amalgamated, and it's all inter intertwined. You can't really have a successful campaign. Um, you can't really succeed by just having one advertising that will sell everything it just doesn't work or uh, with the in with the inclusion of uh, you know with the introduction of social media with the introduction of digital uh solutions for sales um lots lots has changed um let me give you an example if at at some point we had uh i don't know why cigarettes are coming to my mind let's say if we had Coca-Cola that was just advertising their Coke on TV and they were showing it so often that we thought, yes, Coke is it, you know, you know, remember this Coke is it, you know, this is the, the slogan. So we really believe that Coke is it. But now we have Coca-Cola that positions itself as um, a supporter of community and they are very much... Uh, in line with um, their CSR that is for healthy living, and they're even sponsoring 
um, the the marathon in Yerevan, for instance, right? So they're completely, it's not enough to just have this one advertising clip that convinces us that, you know, we should be drinking Coke because that's it. Today we have uh, unmatching PR, public relations that happens, raising awareness of our individual health and well-being. And Coca-Cola has to explain, has to be present in a variety of places to tell us that, yes, they're there to help us be uh, healthy. And, you know, by drinking Coke, you don't always necessarily um, go to the unhealthy route. You can have it to boost your uh, energy to run the marathon. Right, so it it it's telling a story. It's it's bringing this holistic uh, approach to their communications, and in there they will sponsor. I don't know, university students. They will host people in their factories to show how they are producing. Um, they will be speakers in leadership and um, other kinds of talks. So there's a, a, a mix. And then there's a whole uh, social media livelihood that happens. So you have campaigns, you have promotions, you have storytelling, you have you have people uh, even engaging, right? The public engaging in your day-to-day um, -day social media activities. You want them to like more, you want them to comment more. So it's not just marketing, it's not just advertising, it's not just PR, it's communications. So once you start understanding that you need to show, you need to think holistically. You need to see communications as a big picture. Uh, then you can strategize, and then you can decide to make videos, or maybe videos are not necessarily going to be your selling tool, because you will understand that making videos is probably not appreciated by your target audience. For instance, I'm just giving an example. I see. I see, and. You know, the, the the next one is a bit of an unfair question because it's it's kind of too broad. Uh, but uh, let me put it just kind of very uh, specifically. So, how has uh, how has social media marketing changed the world? And you know, are there uh, many so what have been the difficulties for established companies? Whether we're talking about established companies and corporate companies, or whether we're talking about established companies in terms of marketing companies. Um. Social media really revolutionized a lot of how companies respond to the cu customer's needs. Um, several factors contribute to this. The immediacy of the feedback that a company receives from their um, customers' reactions. So um, let's take a hotel, for example, right? Uh, or you know, even a, like an online um, a online shopping platform. Um, once the customer interacts, if they're happy, they're going to interact and they're going to put a like or they're going to rate you five out of five, whatever. But if they're not happy, they're going to tell the whole world on your social media page, on their own social media page, and every other social media page they can access, and they will do it loudly and they will do it regularly until you have to fix your reputation. 
So this becomes a problem for the, the, the company. So it's okay that you have one or two people that do this, but once you have um, critical mass, then you start feeling the impact and losing, um, losing sales, basically losing profitability. The other, um, the other reason that social media revolutionized is um, the, the type of advertising and communications that you can do was very direct, very targeted. For instance, billboards and TVs act a very different way. They act as masses, right? They, they talk to everybody sitting in the room, the grandparents, the parents, the children, and their younger children. So a lot of the times you don't like, you, you know, some, most of the segments, let's say only the parents would be interested in, I don't know, mortgage, uh, you know, mortgage promotion of X bank, right? Because everybody else doesn't care, but everybody else is watching it. And the TV ad, which is very costly, becomes costlier when you, when you have to count um, per view, right? So social media helped us target the advertising and reduce the cost of advertising while promoting directly um, to the target audience. So our per view um, cost was reduced tremendously. So that was a second uh, way of revolutionizing. Another way was where you have endorsers and influencers and people with influence, I don't want to call them influencers necessarily, people with influence that promote your product. Let's say you have a, an audience of 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people, 500,000 people. You go to a restaurant, you have a great experience, you post a photo or a comment. That in itself is a huge value. It's an endorsement that a client with an audience is doing on your behalf, on the company's behalf. Whereas the company would have spent a lot of money to try and make your 5,000 or 500,000 followers believe that their restaurant was the best option. Now you, Samson or whoever, is making that post willingly, and that has more value than the advertising that the company would do. Because I follow Samson and I believe his, um, you know, he's, he's someone I believe and I adhere to, I follow. And when he says it's really good, then I'm going to go to this restaurant. So the chances of, uh, of me going to the restaurant increase. Therefore, these are the different types of um, changes that social media brought. It also brought um, lots of negativity, right? So we have angry people, we have trolls, we have misinformation. And misinformation today is just by far gone out of control beyond belief. I, I you know, I want to get a little bit political here. Um, I think Donald Trump allowed this to happen more freely and more frequently with his careless tweets, with his careless posts. And, you know, the rest of the world said, well, if the leader of the the, the freest world of the, the you know, the, the freest country of the world 
is doing like careless posts, then why shouldn't I? And then it was just free for all from there on. And it was the authority to do so uh, given by, you know, the leader of the strongest country of the world. So I just believe that there is a lot of misinformation, lots of media literacy, the lack of media literacy and understanding who's posting, how true is that post, where did you get that information, where did they get this information? You know, I have lots of family calling from different parts of the world, um, telling me this is happening, you know, they're in Yerevan now. The bombs are in Yerevan. You need to leave now. It's like, I live here. I know this is not a fact. This is not true. But the sensationalism and the artificial information and manipulation is so easy to do with social media. And unfortunately, you have the masses now who haven't learned to read and haven't learned to analyze what it is that they're being uh, informed about and it just you know they just share they just press the share button and yeah. then it's just a, a big big ugly snowball so you have the very positive but you also have the negative and we can work on the negative we can teach each other and society and the markets you know what to believe what not to believe how to read information and how to analyze it is it something that has uh, the political side? Uh, I think, yeah, we're all kind of suffering the, all, all of the misinformation and all of those, you know, uh, the the clown shows uh, around the world yeah. in different places, right? Uh, and but, uh, Mike, I, I want to talk a bit more about the business side and the corporate For side sure, of it. Yeah. Uh, has that been as impacted as the political specter, or is it uh, is it mostly just stuck to the politics? Do you see businesses? And a corporate suffering from misinformation and you know negative trolling as well, or is it mostly uh, hopefully? Yeah, I for mean, us? I can give you I can give you an example of um, a campaign that was taking place not too long ago. Um, basically, it was a, it was a video. We we had made a video, and then other companies had made uh, similar videos within the same campaign. For some reason, they were smaller companies or not so known. And what happened was the, that the public thought Deem was the company that made all those videos. And then they started coming to our pages and, um, you know, posting all kinds of ugly and untrue information about who we are and what we do and, you know, trying to hurt our reputation and uh, reducing our rating and whatnot, you know, by putting like very low ratings. Obviously, this was a crisis that we had to manage. And uh, I think we did a good job because it didn't last very long. Any um, advice, uh, just to, sorry for any advice to others that might uh, come across a similar type of uh, yeah. behavior from others? Anything yeah. that you would recommend? What, what are actually, the learnings from yourself? We actually advise our customers. Uh, we do have some banks and uh, recently, well, I want to say recently, but you know, in the past couple of years, we've had some crises specifically with banks um, and we've advised them how to respond. So there are several scenarios. One, to hold a strategic silence. So what that means is you wait it out, you're silent, you don't engage, you don't give them the, 
the pleasure of engaging with them because probably that's what they're looking for. Second is if it gets out of control, you make a very strong statement. Um, you can uh, use your networks, but you can also go beyond, yeah, beyond your networks and, and do more public um, PR around that. Um, you can also, um, well, I mean, it depends how vulgar and how, um, you know, what kind of vocabulary is being used. You can block these people on your social media and platforms, but you must know that, you know, trolls find other ways to come in and continue their, their harassment. So there are many different ways, depending on what the crisis is and depending how urgent it is and, you know, how you can solve it, how much truth is there in the, in the issue. So yeah. all of these are, are, are very important elements. So there's no right, there's no right answer I can give you right now, but these are some formulas that we, we assess and we, we consult with our clients. Yeah. And uh, just for, for the interest of those that are listening that, uh, you know, are at startups or uh, young businesses that are in the area of, I would say, product management, uh, communication, marketing. Um, what are the kind of the key qualities for a successful person is in this in this field, right? From the marketing and communication point of view, what is it? Uh, what what do people need to kind of, uh, from the personal development point of view, need to work on? Uh, what would your advice be now that you've been in this place in this industry for twenty or so years? Yeah, um, you know, I think. Um, because it's not easy for everyone. I mean, there are some introverts uh, who don't like to be public speakers. And then there are these extroverts who are too out there, right? So um, it's important to be able to know your, your strengths. So if you're, if you're good on one-on-one, -on -one, yeah, because a lot of people are much better one-on-one. -on -one, so try to cultivate that, try to find opportunities where you do your pitches, your networking in smaller groups and as much as much as much as possible one on one, but really be present in networking events where you will be able to meet people, listen to what's going on, um, be open minded of what's going on, try to co collaborate. This is a huge thing that uh, you know, the Armenian ecosystem is suffering from collaborate and there's a huge lack of trust and that comes from you know without going to political right now that comes from a variety of issues that we've lived through over the past decades um so yeah there's a lack of trust and we don't believe that you know if we tell someone our information it will stay confidential and etc cetera, etc cetera. so um be present um, speak your mind, have an opinion, uh, right? And if you don't always read up about it, try to stay with it within the topic. And sometimes if the topic's not interesting, okay, no need to get more involved. But you need to be present. You need to build that networking skill. You need to, um, and the reason I'm saying this is, you know, they tell you that page, the elevator page and the, you know, be ready to to talk to a potential investor at any given time. All that is true, but that takes practice. That takes time. 
And a lot of the times you don't have time because, you know, if in the next year or two, you don't raise enough money for your startup to actually move to the next level, it might just fall on its face. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. You learn from that. But then if you don't want it to fall on its face, you need to practice now. You know, yeah. go and do public speaking. Go and get up in front of a, a group of people, tell your story. And, you know, even if it's not, even if they're not investors, get up and do it because that's a good practice. So use all the opportunities you can to rehearse and to put put yourself out there. You know, try to to do things that are not comfortable for you because if they're comfortable, that means maybe you're not in the right place. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a saying: if it's not hard, then you're not learning. So I think yeah, that's... exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly um, my thought too. And, and from the creating point of view, I mean, what's what's your what's your thinking here? I'm kind of a, a big believer in a person's capabilities to develop and grow, grow and develop certain skills. Uh, but is is creativity something that can also be developed, or is it? Uh, what's your sense here? Um, recently, uh, you know, someone else asked me this. Um, creativity is we, we we're all creative, right? We all have our level of creativity. So um, some of us allow ourselves to push our borders of creativity and allow ourselves to express it. Others um, keep it within, and they they kill it, right? They say, "Oh no, 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 that's not possible. Oh no, 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 no we can't do that." So a lot of people kill that. So the answer I gave that person who asked me uh, that question recently was, you know, you can be inspired and you can you can find creativity in almost everything you do while taking a walk down the street to reading a book, to watching a movie, to talking to somebody. There's always a... Um, a fraction of something that you will see or hear or feel that will help you create, that will help you become more creative. You just need to allow it to happen. You just need to, um, you know, when it comes in, you need to take it and you need to say, I can do this. I can do it this way. And then then go and, and, and do it. Go and talk to someone. Go and put it on paper. Go and draw. Whatever it is that you want it to do with that creativity, um, and if it if it doesn't work, then you you know you make it you do something else or you make it better or you reduce something, and I think all of that everything that I just mentioned is your day to day. You watch you know let's say for me I I I, I follow pages of of other creative agencies. I follow pages of creative people from around the world, and I. You know, I read their posts. I try to, to find inspiration in, in some of the things they're doing. Um, architecture for me is very inspirational, right? It's, it's something that is not just um, an idea. It's a physical thing that's, you know, a lot of times um, has lasted for centuries. So this, you know, it, it includes and incorporates culture, society, values of all these hundreds of years. So. If, you know, a lot of the times you just take taken aback by these um, big monumental uh, architectures or even like the smallest um, place where, you know, you'll have 
beautiful gems filled with mosaics or, you know, wall art and whatnot. Wall art for me is, is just a beautiful thing. Like I, a lot of the times I take that in and I, you know, in Montreal, Australia, in Melbourne, I was mesmerized by the beauty that the city allowed to have as wall art. They actually encouraged their urban artists to use public spaces to generate wall art. And it just grew, it became a professional um, a form of expressing oneself. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm guessing it comes uh, with a lot of freedom and also related to you know, self-confidence as well, my, my, uh, my thinking is. And, uh, and just, just before yeah. you, you, you know, one, one sentence that keeps coming back to me until today, from the first day that I moved or, or started to work in Armenia, Chikareli, you know, like, no, 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 that, that's not possible. It's, it's not, it's not doable. No, we are Armenians. We don't do it this way. And I, I remember when we didn't have Chinese food and I would try to, to, to invite people, you know, make Chinese food at home and invite people to eat it. Oh, no, no, I think John Hambana. Today we have several Chinese food. Not only we have Indian restaurants, we have sushi, we have Thai, we have Lebanese and Syrian. So we've just went from, you know, the kebabanots, you know, to having really gourmet food, like top of the notch, uh, yeah. you know, gourmet stuff. So I'm, I, I believe that we need to get rid of this chigareli uh, sentence and really like, you know, instead of saying, hmm, what's karelia? So I think if we start asking that question, how can we? I think that that would be a better uh, way for us to be more creative. Yeah, and uh, my, I think a lot of our startups and founders are thinking in the same direction as well. And, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of things about your work with them and uh, Generation N coming up is also something that's tied to this digital uh, digital area that we mentioned. What, your, uh, what has been your experience uh, been with working with startups, with technology and innovation companies? Uh, are you seeing more activity there? Are you seeing more startups kind of thinking? Uh, putting more emphasis on on the communication, marketing, and all, all of these uh, all of these uh, interrelated things, so to say. Um, I think they are trying. Yes, definitely, they are trying harder, and I think there is an un better understanding now. You know, to get a marketing or communications person as part of the startup team from the beginning, so that that helps a lot. Um, because then it's not just a couple of engineers coming up with an idea and saying, okay, we have the idea now, you know, can you sell this? Um, also investors and angels and, and coaches are pushing startups to think about their branding, their stories. And I think that's going to help a lot. Um, yeah, I think we see more uh, companies you know, instead of just having a logo, understanding that branding is is beyond just a logo. It's the values, it's the 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 story behind that specific logo that's going to sell, that's going to position their product and differentiate it from other similar products. 
Yeah, and and when they reach out, I mean, uh, to I don't know, Dean Communication or any other company uh, in your sphere, what's uh, is there any anything that should have, uh, they should have thought in advance? Is there any homework they need to do, or is it what's? You know, this is this is a very very uh, good question, and I think it doesn't just apply to uh, startups. It, it it actually applies to a whole range of companies um, and a whole range of maturity of a given company. Um, I think preparing communications briefs are um, are lacking among companies' understandings. You know, when I get a call that says, uh, do you make do you make websites? Uh, or you know, can you make an advertising clip for us? Is too um, is too general and is too vague. So my first question is why, you know. And then once I start asking these questions, and they start saying, "Well, we need to sell our products, or we need to be more visible, or whatever the why is." So my, you know, and the conversation starts there and saying, "Well, is a video going to sell your product, or is it going to draw uh, people to your website where you can sell the product?" Maybe we need to do something else. Maybe you need <clears throat> a different kind of campaign, maybe a social media campaign that will, you know, um, do a call to action and, and have people, you know, click on a button so that you can generate uh, leads. You know, this is the kind of uh, engagement that I do with, with the calls, the, the cold calls we get. And a lot of the times we do get um, briefs, but they're, you know, messy and they're not coherent. So preparing a brief is is um, is something that we are teaching our partners right now and trying to help them. So even on our website, we created um, we created a space where we really broke down each activity to as 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 the lower level as possible so that when the client starts clicking on their wish list they're formulating their brief so once that you know once they send us an email and we have the list of deliverables that they want us to do then the the, the brief becomes more comprehensible yeah i see and and in general your perception of uh of the marketing and communication space uh, in Armenia. Uh, obviously, you know, there are gaps in different sectors in Armenia when it comes to quality, professionalism, standards, how up-to-date people are with the latest, you know, latest uh, know-how and best practices. Uh, I guess in the tech ecosystem, I would say it's kind of the, uh, we have the lowest gap. What's your perception of the kind of the marketing space uh, of the gap where we are in Armenia versus What's the best practice abroad, and how how far? First of all, how far behind are we? And the second of all, how has there been an acceleration, and how quickly we're closing the gap? So, social media did actually change this phenomenon, and it it uh, you know it it brought uh, reduced the gap tremendously. So we we do have really good understanding of communications, marketing, advertising, public relations. We have um, universities that have marketing degrees, offering mar marketing degrees. Some of them have international, uh, 
stature in their um, professors, in their curriculum. So we are actually binding the gap and, and we are um, generating more savvy um, professionals, right? Also, um, you know, through social media, through websites, through the, the internet, we're able to read and see what's happening globally. So we are, you know, we are more informed and, and that, that happens much quicker. So if someone, if an agency is winning um, an award for their amazing advertising, we automatically see it the same day. You know, it's not like it was 10, 15 years ago by the time it reaches us and there's this gap. We have really good companies now in branding. They are winning international awards for their branding uh, work. We have marketing companies doing great research, um, able to generate great campaigns. So I think from where we were 15 years ago and when we are today, there's a huge level of difference. Um, I think the, the quality, I think the know-how has uh, expanded tremendously. And we actually feel that in the way we behave, the way we dress, the way we think, the way we eat. So all of this has, uh, you know, has me thinking, okay, now that we have all this, what's missing? Really, I think, you know, we talked about this earlier. It's this daringness to dare to actually do something that is going to disrupt the status quo, disrupt what the masses are dictating. We as leaders, as creatives, we need to take it to the next level. And we shouldn't be afraid of criticism. We shouldn't be afraid of rocking the boat. That's the only way we take our society and our you know, creativity to a very different level and become not just followers of trends, but we can even set trends. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And um, thank you for the, <laughs> for the hope and optimism. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's, yeah. it's not that we don't have this creativity and knowledge. We really do. So, yeah, I think we can do it if we want. I mean, I've seen such amazing thinkers, you know, like with so much creativity and talent. And I just hope that, you know, we allow ourselves to go beyond. And what, what, about, the, what about the demand side, just to kind of uh, round up the things? What about the demand side and, you know, the customers, uh, the customers' sophistication levels, uh, you know how how, dem, how much more dem, or how more demanding have they become recently when it comes to their standards with, with regard to advertising, marketing, and and branding. Um, again, there is an evolution from when where we were fifteen years ago, where you know when we talked about brand or branding, a lot of our um, counterparts, customers, didn't really understand what that meant. Today, not only do they understand, they're actually allocating time and finances to building their brands. Now, I'm not talking about all companies, right? I'm talking about companies that have the maturity, that want to compete internationally, right? That want to penetrate the markets um, of the West or even Asian markets. 
and be competitive in those markets. So we see the leadership of those companies trying to be more, wanting more, demanding more uh, quality. Yeah. Well, Rafi, uh, this was uh, hugely enjoyable. Uh, I'm a huge believer in, you know, mission for companies and the importance of the story behind anything we do. Uh, and startups is, you know, startups are uh, kind of the ones that do succeed are very mission driven. So I do recognize a lot of the things here. So thanks a lot for your time. I think there are many, many important uh, and interesting insights from your point of view. And yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again. And I hope to see you soon in, in um, you know, in other formats as well. Yeah, it was a real good pleasure talking to you. And I wish all the, the listeners uh, lots of creativity.